The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, June 14th. If you are listening to the podcast, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, we are live every day for the rest of time. Uh, just kidding. But Monday, June 13th, if you are watching on the YouTubes, and we're going to do talk about the best quarterback seasons ever because it's the offseason, and this is... It's this is what, you, what we do in the offseason. You got to go back and look back at historical stuff. And who better do it than uh, uh, senior historical NFL analyst or senior NFL historian at CBSports.com who was promoted by me last week? Brian DiArdo. Yes. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing good. Well, well, I am I am not the CBS Sports NFL uh, golf expert because uh, I golfed a lot during my recent vacation. And uh, now I did get my first career par. Oh, very, there you go. Very, now it was on the short course, but that's the, there's no asterisk next to it. But where'd you play golf? Oh, just a local local course down the street, Blackland, Blackland, which is it's actually close to Murfield, where the memorial oh. is every year. Yeah, but uh, but this one's free to play, and that one is not. So I like the free, free course. to play. It's free to play if you live in that county. So uh, yeah, so as you can imagine, it's uh, it's pretty, pretty busy. crowded. It's pretty crowded, but uh, yeah, it's been fun. But I, I, I'm going to imagine you're the best golfer among the CBS NFL staff, if I had to guess. Uh, yeah, I would think so amongst the NFL staff. Although, like, if we're including, like, Prisco, I've I, I beaten Prisco, but he's beaten me. Actually, he beat me the only time we played because he, he's the worst human being alive. Um, Brady Quinn and Danny Canell are probably better than I am, though. Nice. Maybe Chris yeah. Hassel. I don't know if he counts. Who do you know who the best NFL golfer is? I know this is not our list, but like, who do you think is the best? Is it, is it, I think it's Rogers. I mean, Rogers was the best in that tournament that just happened. Rogers is definitely up there. I think Mahomes is pretty good too. There's a bunch of like, like players you'd be shocked at who are just like, like, the, like these dudes just play a ton of golf. Um, right. This, uh, well, you know, like the American Century Championship. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, of this, actual- sorry, which, who's the Eagle that's so good? No, no, it's a, it's another friend of the, uh, the show. Um, Adam Thielen finished one among active players last year, and then Pat P finished number two among ah, active players. Pat P, yeah, Pat P, a very good golfer. Thielen is apparently like really good. Yeah. Um, See, hey, this could be what we do for the Pro Bowl, right? We just have, we just have. I would watch a golf tournament with the NFL Pro Bowlers. I a million percent would. I'd cover it too, especially if it was in a while. <laughs> yeah, um, I could try. I would try to do it for sure. Absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's, well, let's, uh, all, in fact, all the guys on this list, I think are pretty good golfers. Um, just, there we go. Peyton Man- I mean, Peyton Manning and Tom, Tom Brady's probably one of the best. No, Tom Brady's like a 15 handicap or something like that. 10 handicap, maybe. Anyway, uh, yeah. best seasons ever by a quarterback. Um, so this is like all time. Yeah. This is all time. So we, didn't- I, I, I'm just, I, I know it's all time. I'm just establishing the criteria. So it's like, um, it, it's probably worth noting that there's no chance in hell we're going to get a quarterback season. Like the earliest one is 1989. Oh, no, 19. Oh, sorry. There's nothing before the 80s. Right. There just aren't statistically the big enough numbers there to um, to make it work. There's going to be a lot of modern guys. Did Were you willing to – did you decide – because I think you said this um, when we were talking about the um, – was it the greatest offenses last last week? Last QBs by decade. Best QBs, Best by, QBs decade. by decade. Right, right, right. God, sorry. Um, my brain's been fried. Uh, did you decide to go only one season for each quarterback? You know what's funny, Will? I didn't because I because oh. it kind of just organically kind just of what happened. Way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so like for instance, um, Okay, but there are, I believe there are no multiple quarterback seasons on here, right? They're not. No. no. So maybe, maybe, sub, maybe subconsciously, but to me, I feel like this one was so much more wide open. Right. Like, and so for, for me, this was, 
This was uh, – oh, no, I did. I did do one spot per minute. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you must have because there would have been – I'm getting – yeah, I'm getting the, the list mixed up in my head. Yeah, we did do we did do one spot per quarterback, Um, like you said, because then Brady could be four or five of them. Exactly. Know. Peyton Manning right. could easily have four. Right. Of the, yeah, so in other words, like Peyton Manning gets one spot on this list. Right. You picked out Peyton Manning's best season, and then yes. you slotted where his best season goes amongst all the other quarterbacks' yes. best seasons. And that becomes like an interesting secondary debate too, DeArthur, because it's like – some people might say, and we'll start at 10, Aaron Rodgers checks in at number 10, his 2020 season. Right. Um, obviously, one MVP, first of two back-to-back MVPs. It was the um, second season with Matt LaFleur. It was right after they drafted uh, Jordan Love. It was a total FU season to a lot of people. I think that maybe... You would get some pushback that his uh, 2011 season was better. Um, what gave you? What gave you for you? What was the edge for 2020 over uh, 2011, or even 2014? I guess the other two MVP seasons outside of the last two. Well, I, I think I think I mean so so when I list uh, you know the criteria, you know postseason success is or just overall team success is part of it. So the 2011 team went 15 and one, which was phenomenal. But then they they got uh, you know beaten pretty soundly by Manning in the nine and seven Giants in the playoffs. So you know that that was kind of part of it. Plus, when you look at like the entire arsenal that that Rodgers had in 11, he was coming off his MVP season or his Super Bowl winning season, yep. and, and uh, you know that offense at that time was humming. And uh, you know their strength of opponent that year wasn't that great either. Um, I mean, 14 was really good as well, but I think in 2020, I think what really pushed it over for me was I, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong. I just feel like that year he kind of really claimed his mark. Like he was the emphatic MVP that season. I remember in 2020, like, and, and, and again, I, I feel like 19, he was coming off Matt LaFleur, his first season with Matt LaFleur and his numbers for Rogers standards in 19 were kind of pedestrian they got killed by the Niners in the NFC Championship game. So there was kind of this narrative that, like, maybe Rodgers was starting to fall a little bit. Oh, yeah. Kind of similar to, like, Brady, like, 2013, 2014. Rodgers was done. The Packers drafted right. Jordan Love because they thought Rodgers was – I mean, like, like there's no – it's not even, like, a narrative. I mean, like, it, it definitely is a narrative in the sense that people were talking about it. But the Packers drafted Jordan Love. They right. expressly stated their belief that Aaron Rodgers was on the decline. There is 0.0% chance they draft Jordan Love – in the first round, much less trade up for him in the first round, if they feel that Aaron Rodgers is about to have two MVP seasons in the in the next the coming two years, right? Exactly, and and I think you know one of the things that we talk about, and I, and again, I I think the season will age well. I, and again, I, we discussed this the last time I was on the show, his ability to not throw picks, and that's not a knock. It's just it is what it is. Forty eight touchdowns and five picks is kind of what sealed the deal for me, and along with the fact that he led the league in in uh, completion percentage at seventy percent. Um, you know, but I, I just think that the 48 and the five and the fact that, you know, he led the Packers back to an NFC championship game and played well in that game, except for, and this is the part, this is probably why it's it's down at 10 and it's not higher, is the fact that his most famous play that season is probably the third down indecision against Tampa Bay. Um, yeah. The fact that he didn't know what to do and he kind of just threw it in the traffic and it was incomplete and they lose that game. Um, You know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just think for him, uh, the fact that they kind of buried him, he came back. And, he, and again, he was the hands down unanimous league MVP that year. Not to mention that it was during COVID when that whole season was just kind of crazy, you know, with all the protocols. We were having games on Monday afternoon when usually we all fortunes on. Like we had all the weirdness of 2020, but sure. the main constant was Rodgers. And, and again, I, I think, and he had a few games that year that were just nuts. I mean, he had 305 yards and four touchdowns against the Niners in, in one game, 81% completion percentage in that game. And and just, I mean, again, I, I think if you said to me, give me one Aaron Rodgers season that just kind of would sum it up to somebody that didn't see him 50 years from now, I point to 2020. And, and that was the reason why it was number 10. Well, that's that. Look, hey, it's your list. I would take 2011, I think, um, just because it was when you watched him in 2011. Coming and look, I'm like I'm, you know, second year covering the NFL for CBS in 2011. You know, coming off my first time at a Super Bowl. I mean, much less covering a Super Bowl or much less at a whatever it is. And Rodgers won that Super Bowl, and then like just the way they just they just burnt the league to the ground in 2011. Right. But you're right, the you know the competition not that stiff that season, and 
Like the guy the the he had Jordy Nelson, he had Donald Driver on the back end of his career at 36, but Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb, Jermichael Finley, um, you know, Ryan Grant, James Starks. Like he like that was a, a really loaded Packers offense. And so yes, I think you can make the case that in 2020, maybe doing more with with less. And I, I do like I do like the FU factor of 2020 because right. he was toast, man. One last thing, too. I think Matt Flynn started the last game for the Packers that season, 2011. I think yes. he had six touchdowns in that game. He did. He did. He, that, right. So it's kind of like, I'm not saying that that should be a knock on <laughs> Rodgers, but it's kind of, to, to our point about how dominant that offense was. That that's, how, that's how Matt Flynn got paid, buddy. Because remember, the Seahawks got, gave all that cash, and then yep. they drafted Russell Wilson, and Matt Flynn never started a game for him. Right. Yeah. So that did that didn't hurt 2020's cause either. Yeah, that's true. That and look, like 20, they've gone, they went 13 to three in 2019, but it didn't feel like Rogers was Aaron Rodgers. And then right. he, he was in 2020, 2020 when he obviously won MVP. So right. yeah, I mean, look, it's I think any 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 of those three seasons, I certainly think 2020 was better than 2021. I mean, he's still very good last year, but 2020 right. clearly better. Uh, I would probably take 2011 and I'm trying to think. Oh, 2014 was the the RE, the relaxed season, right? Yes. Yes. They started like one and two or, or something like that. And he <laughs> God, they started one, one and two and everybody freaked out. Yep. And then yep. they lost one game down the stretch and just obliterated. Yeah. Oh, and, man, the 20, oh, the 20, oh, God, that's right. The 2014 season was when they lost at Seattle in the, Conference championship game, the game that just had no business losing. Right. That's that crazy game against Dallas. Yeah, I mean it's and the, the playoffs are tough. This is this is more legacy talk, Will. But like, how do you think Br- uh, Rogers' career is going to be remembered if he only only in quotes if he only wins one championship, almost identically to Brett Favre? Yeah, yeah. I mean, bunch of yeah. MVPs, Packers wins, right? One Super Bowl, right? Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move along. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for sure. All right, this is kind of a shocker, I think. Number nine. Um, in fact, we actually we do nine and eight because uh, we get twenty twenty and then twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen. Lamar Jackson at number nine, twenty nineteen, and Patrick Mahomes at eight at twenty eighteen. Again, these are the top ten greatest quarterback seasons of all time. I'm probably moving Rodgers above Lamar. As good as that season was for Lamar in twenty nineteen, I'll take eleven Rodgers over Lamar. I, if I was re-slotting those three, I'm probably putting Rodgers at nine, Lamar at 10. But, like, Lamar's 2019, I mean, you, you – I mean, it's ridiculous. He – I mean, he – you have to include the, the rushing, obviously. Um, but, you know, he ran for 1,200 yards. It's yeah. insane. He passed for 3,000 yards and ran for 1,200. Like, that's never been done before and led the league in passing touchdowns. Yeah, and, and similar to, you know, Rodgers, where we knew he was great, but he was kind of coming off that. His 2020 season was kind of surprising. You know, it, it kind of, again, it didn't come out of nowhere, but it was surprising. Lamar's 19, you saw flashes at the end of 18 when he replaced Flacco, but there were still questions. Then he comes out right away, as you can, you can see here if you're watching on YouTube. I mean, the five touchdowns right off the bat against a Miami team that may or may not have been playing for Tua, but that's neither here nor there. But but I mean, he got 59 here. points on Miami in the opener. Like it was a right. he threw 20 passes and five touchdowns. Right, right. And then when you look at the rest of the now, if you look at the rest of the quarterbacks on this list, 3,100 passing yards is, is relatively low, but to 1,200 rushing yards led the league with a six point yard yards per carry average. And the 1,200 rushing yards was like what 17, 16, or you know, 160 more rushing yards than Vic. Who was oh, yeah, it's the first ever 3K, 1K season. Right. And right. he led the league in rushing yards per rush attempt. Right. At 6.9 and led the league in passing touchdowns. Like, that's a banana stat. Like, that, like to lead the league in passing touchdowns and yards per rush. Right. And to have over a thousand. I mean, like, that's a crazy, it's a crazy, it was a crazy season. And that's, and that's why he's on the list. And that's why this season's on the list. Cause it's just a truly unique season where a guy leads, like, I call it the triple crown. Uh, for quarterbacks, if you lead the NFL in completion percentage, passing yards, and touchdown passes, only one guy on this list from this season actually hits the triple crown. Drew Brees, who's honorable mention for his 11 season, um, also hit the triple. Drew Brees didn't make the list, did he? Wow, 11 didn't make it. I just, I just, you know, we can talk about that if you want. I, I it no, just we got, we got, we got too many, too many, too many. Uh, is that me? Is that you? That's me. I, can, oh, I can figure out how to mute that. But uh, I, I, they told me it's flag day, so you know, I got. Oh. 
very important. It's very important on this podcast. But, yeah, I mean, I just don't think that season had any staying power. And then you look at, like, the numbers Brady put up at 11, the numbers Rod. That season, for whatever reason, it was a it was a big season for quarterbacks. And so it doesn't – in my opinion, it's it's like – it wasn't like Marino in 84 where, like, he did all this and, like – so, yeah, that was the reason why. But but for Lamar, it, it was just a truly unique season. And it, and it kind of, like, opened up people's eyes to, you know what, like, a guy – you know. It, somebody can succeed playing the position differently than it had re- previously been played. I mean, that game that he had against the Rams where he had five touchdown passes and 95 rushing yards, like right. when they won 45 to six, he had eight games with three touchdown passes. Um, and it wasn't like he was throwing the, to Jerry Rice and John Taylor. I mean, Hollywood Brown, I think was a rookie that season. Mark Andrews was, was a tight end. Uh, Willie Sneed, as a guy that watched a lot of AFC foot North football that year, had a good season for Lamar. But, you know, obviously, and, and even in their playoff loss to the Titans, had 365 yards passing, had 143 yards rushing. It was his turnovers that right. contributed to that loss. But, yeah, it was just – it was a season that we haven't seen before or since, and I thought that deserved a place on the list. Yeah, and, I mean, it was a part of a you know, really back-to-back-to-back breakout or, like, surprising MVP winners because we had Rodgers in 20 – Everybody was looking for like the next young quarterback in his second year. As it turns out, it was just Rodgers in the second year of that system in 20, Lamar in the second year uh, with the Ravens, with Greg Roman's system. And then, of course, in 2018, uh, Patrick Mahomes checks in at number eight here with his 50 touchdown, 5,000 yard season, completed 66% of his passes, uh, played all 16 games that year, 12 and four for the Chiefs, just 12 interceptions, led the league and uh, had 8.8 yards per attempt, 9.6 adjusted yards per attempt, which led the league um, and like swept, not even close, who was the MVP that year. It was honestly, you know, we talked about a little bit like since then, not even Mahomes has been bad. He's been great. But like that, that year, really almost set the bar too high for Patrick Mahomes right. in terms of how people, what people expected from him. So I'm probably one of the worst fantasy players ever. An, an example, I traded Jonathan Taylor and Tom Brady this season. Very impressive. That's terrible. That's yeah. yeah. And I, I got, I got Stafford uh, to replace Brady, but I don't recall what I got for Taylor. It wasn't worth that being all that being said, I did draft Mahomes going into 18, even though that he didn't start the previous year and Alex Smith was the starter to me. I just thought that, a quarterback and in, in Andy Reid's system is gonna probably gonna be good. And if they're willing to let Smith go, then Mahomes must be pretty good because you know Smith had five, you know, had a run in Kansas City that was pretty impressive. Now I don't think any, I absolutely didn't see see that happening. And I want to say his his breakout performance that year was against Pittsburgh in week two. He had four touchdowns and a close one over the Chargers in week one, but I don't I think that got like some murmurs. I'm sure we wrote some stories about it. You know, I wasn't here at the time, but I'm sure we did. I think the game that really got people's heads to turn was Pittsburgh the next week because the Steelers just come off their 13 and three season. I actually, you know, old tweets exposed the Steelers in week one had tied the Browns, who had won one game the previous two years. Mahomes comes in the next week. They're up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. I tweeted that day. At this point in time, the Steelers are the NFL's worst team. They just tied the Browns. They're down 21 nothing at home in week two. And at that point, they probably were. I don't recall. but uh, And then Ben kind of turned it on. And they had a shootout. But, like, that day, Mahomes threw for six touchdowns. And it was just like – and the way that he attacked, how fast he threw, how fearless he was. Uh, I All mean, different was, arm angles. Every Yeah, I mean, the whole- yeah it, was, it, was, it was bonkers. And, and yeah. it really set the table – what he did that season i mean three touch 10 games at least three touchdowns um 13 touchdowns his first three starts he had that crazy game against the rams where he had six touchdowns uh you know in that in that game in the coliseum um yeah i mean 50 touchdowns five thousand yards i mean those are just two milestones that how many guys have ever done that i mean just a handful and they're all on this list i mean guys ahead of him on this list uh didn't win a championship which is why he's not higher Um, you know, so, I mean, is if if the 18 season ended the way that 19 did for Mahomes, this would be a, it would be a top four thing, right? If they, had they ended this year with a championship, this would have been in the Mount Rushmore best quarterback seasons. The fact that it was next year makes it, you know, a little bit lower. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you, you want to have the title in there, uh, which Brett Favre got in 1996. I think it's, it's hard to compare these. It's, I mean, you know, you're talking about like the nineties, versus the early 2000s versus the you know late the early 2010s versus you know late 2010s where it's just like now anybody can throw for 5000 yards like any 5000 yard passer should not surprise you at this point right. um uh, Favre in 96 3899 passing yards 
39 touchdowns, 13 picks. Um, he also won a Super Bowl, of course, and uh, won the MVP that season. I mean, certainly a, I mean, like a monster year, clearly. But I mean, like he completed less than 60% of his passes, but it was also 1996. So it's, that's why it's, it's, it is a little tough with the, you know, you're talking apples, oranges, et cetera. Yeah. And, and Favre's actually the season that bumped Breeze off. Um, Cause I was not going to have this season make it. Uh, and as we kind of said on the start of the show, um, you know, these numbers on these lists, they have to compete with modern day stats and which Favre's just does not, as you just said, not 4,000 yards, not 60% completion. Um, so, you know, cause like, for example, I wanted Bradshaw's 78 season to make this list. He was league MVP and Super Bowl MVP that year. But when I look at it, the numbers, 28 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. I'm like, I'm not putting that on a list. I just can't, I, I just right. cannot. So Favre makes it, even though, you know, his numbers don't really age that great, but 39 touchdowns at that still resonates. That was a good, you know, um, and the fact that he was in the middle of his three consecutive MVP seasons uh, and really, you know, this is where the championship's really important. If, if Favre didn't, because I think Favre's 95 season was much more impressive. I think his 07 season was much more impressive. His 09 season in Minnesota is much more impressive. But I think anybody, and this is the, the hard part, which really makes this list tough, is, and, and just as you said, Will, like you were on staff here in 11, I wasn't. So you probably appreciate Rogers' 11 season more than I do. If you were alive and were watching football in 1996, you knew how good Brett Favre was. You knew how dominant those that, that Packers offense was. And so it makes a lot of sense for us with that information to put Favre at seven or, or you know, wherever he is on this list, even though, um, yeah, his numbers aren't fantastic. Uh, and we discussed on your previous show, you know, he had a lot of receivers that were hurt at stretches during that season. That's right. And still had 10 touchdowns uh, in his first three games and, and uh, you know, went through the playoffs and, and had – you know, three touchdowns against a Parcells Belichick coach defense in the Super Bowl, which really topped it off for me. What he did in that Super Bowl, even though he didn't win MVP, that really topped it off for me for him to make the list. And you could, I mean, look, you could honestly go with 95 too if you wanted yeah. to as far as best season. Um, yeah. 13 and three, win the Super Bowl. Like, and look, I think that's important to note when we talk about this list too. It's like the Super Bowl matters a lot. Like if you win right. a championship, you, you are, well, team success and how deep you can go in the playoff matters a lot for this list. Like you can, you can move up, but if you win the Super Bowl as a result of a great season that culminates with that Super Bowl, as you like, just, just pointing out the differences, you know, with like a Mahomes in 2019, 2018, excuse me. And, and Favre in 96, like those are just two hard seasons that are really difficult to compare because right. 1996, you know, just, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you're, you're not getting what he's doing. One yard shovel passes. Um, you know, for touchdowns, right? Like Patrick Mahomes did several times with Tyreek Hill, and a great offensive design by Andy Reid. You minimize, you know, the possibility of fumbling near the goal line. You get the ball, you know, horizontally in your best player. I'm not ripping the play; it's just Brett Favre didn't have those, right? Like that that makes a difference, and it's just easier to complete passes uh, now than it than it was back in the day. Another guy from the '90s who um, almost won three straight MVPs, Steve Young. Won it in 92, just missed in 93, and won it in 94, which is the season that you're giving him, right. uh, the number six all-time quarterback season, 70.3% completion percentage, 3,969 yards, 35 touchdowns, 10 picks, led the league with 8.6 yards per attempt, 9.2 adjusted yards per attempt. Oh, and um, Steve Young, you always got to mention his – I actually didn't run that much. Only 58 carries for 293 yards, but seven touchdowns that season in, on the ground as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, you know, his numbers still largely add up. I mean, 35 touchdown passes might be a little low, but the 70% completion percentage, the seven rushing touchdowns um, and just that season. I mean, I, I love, and this is the part I think that made young and those Niners teams coached by Mike Shanahan. So good was how much, you know, young spread the wealth. Brett Jones had nine touchdowns as tight end. John Taylor had five touchdowns as number two receiver. Ricky Waters, a running back had 66 catches in, I mean, we remember when Ricky Waters played. It's kind of surprising he hasn't had more Hall of Fame hub. Had he stayed in San Francisco, he probably, you know, would have. Young's also a left-handed quarterback, which, you know, we don't really see that very often either. But, uh, you know, he just put it all together that season. 66 catches for a running back on a team with Jerry Rice is pretty wild. In yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, there, 
there's a there's a few games that season that really kind of like sum up like how good Steve Young was back then. He had played the Rams that year, completed 80% of his passes, 355 yards, two touchdown passes, two touchdown runs. You know, if that happened in today's times, you know, we'd be, you know, that would be kind of the highlight of the week or against the Falcons that year, he threw for about 300 yards, five total touchdowns. And yeah, he was dangerous with his, with his legs, even though at that point he was more of an advanced stage in his career in terms of age. Um, and yeah, I mean, he beat, he ended the Cowboys, uh, you know, reign atop the NFL. They had won two in a row he had the, 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 you know, couple clinching touchdowns in that championship game. And then, I mean, and again, we talk list legacy, uh, that Super Bowl, you know, he still has the record for touchdown passes in a Super Bowl with six. He also was a Super Bowl's leading rusher in that game with 49 yards. So, yeah, just in terms of how well this season has aged legacy. I mean, that changed Steve Young's legacy as a guy that, you know, probably you might be in the Hall of Fame if he doesn't have a ring on his resume, but I think needed one. Um, you know, maybe he would, maybe he would have been the Philip Rivers of that era, um, if he didn't win a ring. So he's able to get that ring and and, and get that that notoriety. The ring as a starter, that is, because he obviously had, you know, he won two with. Well, as with a starter, him. sure, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, those only ones that count. But um, I think one other stat that's interesting about the '94 Steve Young season is that Elvis Gerback. So Steve Young played all 16 games, started all right. 16, never got injured. Gerback attempted 50 passes. Man, and only and eight of them came in a in a. Um, week uh, five loss, a blowout loss to the Eagles. They lost 40 to eight. The reason I bring that up is that if you're back, if your starter plays all 16 games and your backup attempts 50 passes, it means your backup played a pretty decent amount of time. Right. And the reason he, like, you look at some of these scores 42 3, 41 16, 37 22, you know, 50 to 14, 38 15, 42 19. They didn't. They didn't have a playoff game that was within double digits. They scored 44, 38, and 49. They obliterated people. Like, they were a really, really dominant team, and it's because Steve Young was running that Bill Walsh offense and that Mike Shanahan offense to, uh, I guess, yeah, it was – so, oh, Seifert. Seifert was a coach in 94, excuse me. Right, yeah. Um, Shanahan was the OC. Shanahan was OC, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Shanahan that. was mad that Young only threw six in that game because they wanted to – he wanted eight. He wanted eight, and Young had four in the first half. And Rice right. got – Rice was actually hurt in that game. He suffered a shoulder injury at one point in that game. And and when they they kind of dialed it back a little bit in the second half, and, and, and Mike Shanahan was was upset with Young. But I mean, again, interesting though. I mean, we talk Rogers, we talk Young, we talk Favre, guys here with one championship, uh, which is kind of interesting. And I think it's also just a testament to Tom Brady, <laughs> the fact that the fact that he has seven. And, you know, and I just think for young, I, I think it's important to have a young season on this list. I just think that, you know, he changed the game in terms of how we look at it with efficiency and 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 how, you know, spreading the wealth of an offense, having multiple like look at our look at the Bengals last year. They had three one thousand rece- yard receivers. And Young was, I think, really one of the first quarterbacks to really, you know, beat teams by dissecting them and not just throwing over the top to the same guy numerous times. Yeah, and it's it is interesting too, because he really didn't become a full-time starter until his thirties. Right. Know? It's like, which is just, I mean, I mean, he had a chance to start in Tampa Bay, I guess, but you know, two and 12 um, in his one big season there before, uh, you know, landing in San Francisco. It's just crazy. that He was in San Francisco for that long before he actually, you know, it, it like ended up becoming a hall of fame caliber starter and winning a Super Bowl. And if he doesn't win a Super Bowl with San Francisco, I think people probably at least, you know, like, and even two MVPs, like they're at least like, all right, like, you know, Montana, like we could have, you know, like, was it right. worth it? Was it worth it to move on from Joe Montana if Steve Young doesn't win a Super Bowl? Not to mention that Joe, this is the, so this is the weirdest part. I didn't know this until I watched that doc, uh, Montana documentary recently. This is the weirdest thing. So Montana goes to the Chiefs in 93. They beat Young and the Niners in the 94 season. So then Montana retires after that year and the Niners throw him a retirement party like outside, like almost like a parade, like like a like a like a Super Bowl championship. And like there's all these fans there. Carbon policy that worked in the Niners front office is there. So I think DeBartolo was there and the fans are chanting one more year. It's like Steve Young just won you a Super Bowl. So the, that is and even Young in like this documentary, like he cries, you know, 30 years later, whatever it is, still re- like reliving how the end of his time with the 49ers went. And so, yeah, right. to your point, I mean. That was contentious. It was, it was, it was weird. And I guess with free agency now, like I, you know, more modern situation was Garoppolo and Brady sure. where, you know, but Belichick traded him. Cause it was like, you know, like 
He lost the battle with, I mean, the opposite thing happened versus the Niners where the Niners decided to, we're going to go with the young guy. Right. Robert Kraft pretty much said, you know, I'm not ready to let go of Tom yet. We're going to, we're going to make sure that he stays, but yeah, pretty fascinating that just the, how that whole thing played out. But as you said, it was like, you know, it was like Rogers and Favre. I mean, like in the, yep. you know, with the benefit of 10 to 20 years, you know, away from it, or in, in this case, obviously even much more than that, 30 plus, um, you know, it seems a lot less like, insane just what was going on but at the time it's like if you were there and you were watching it it was crazy what was going on where does joe montana land on this list we will tell you next the all-new hyundai 2024 santa fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip. Maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid. I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't even know what that Paramount Plus ad was for. You could have seen a fantastic Paramount Plus ad if you are watching on YouTube, though, youtube.com slash pick six. If you're watching on the YouTube, hit the subscribe button, turn on alerts, and press that like button. Tell us your favorite quarterback season of all time in the comments. Number five. Mentioned Joe Montana and Steve Young. Joe Montana edges out Steve Young. He comes in 1989 season for Joe Montana, the fifth greatest season of all time for you, Diardo. And real quick, Will, I'm going to ask you now, so you have time to think about it for the rest of the show. Oh uh, your favorite quarterback season, and you don't have to give me an answer now, but maybe maybe later we'll revisit it. Mine's I know mine right away. So. But let's get to Joe Montana here. One one little nugget I, I had when I wrote about when I looked up Montana, he never led the NFL in passing yards, which I kind of surprised me when you look at like all the all the kind of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They usually did it at least once. Uh, Montana never did, but he also played when Dan Fouts played at Dan Marino and guys that, that put the ball up a lot more than him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think for Joe Montana, there's one thing about this season that really stands out because his regular season numbers aren't great. 3,500 yards, 28 touchdowns, eight picks. Uh, it really doesn't stick out from that standpoint, but look at the playoffs, 800 passing yards. That is a wild number to have in the playoffs. Yeah. I think, is it, is it 11 or eight touchdowns? I think it's 11 touchdowns. It um, was 11. Yeah. No interceptions. Completion percentage, 78.3. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's like, a, that's like a decent like like quarter of a seat. Like, I right. mean, if you're you're first in the MVP balloting. Yeah, three games, three games of the season. If you have those numbers, right? I I just think when when I like as I want, I, I really, I mean, again, I'm not going to will a force it. Like I, you know, I wanted Bradshaw 78 season, but I couldn't force it on the list. Like I kind of forced Favre on a little bit, but I can defend the reason why he made it. Uh, I really wanted a Montana season. Uh, there really wasn't one that stuck out. Like, I think my options were probably this one in 84 when he beat Marino in the Super Bowl and had a great – but 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 the stats weren't really awesome that He didn't lead the league in anything and, and wasn't even in the MVP race, really, which is kind of crazy. It, exactly. But when you – when I saw his playoff results uh, – I, mean, I mean, I think 70.2% completions in 1989 is just outrageous. Yeah, that's – 3,500 yards is a big number, especially for a team that went 11-2 and two. In a 13 game season or 16 game, wait, 
He went eleven and two. Sorry, did he get hurt? Right. He missed. Young, yeah, Young Young had to play some games that year. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Elvis Grubeck had to play a game that season. They went fourteen and two. Like they weren't. They were. I mean, clearly the the. I assume they were the one seed. Right. Um, yeah, led the league in points scored. And, and it, like when you look at his volume stats, twenty six touchdowns, thirty five hundred twenty one yards. Like if he plays the other three games, I mean, he won MVP anyway. Right. Because he had such a great season, 9.1 yards per attempt. Like, it's basically just missing three games of production. I mean, tack on his three playoff games, right? Right. And, right. and you're asking a lot because, you know, I mean, one of those games, 9-13, of course, um, you see that win there on the screen. But, like, you know, if you tack on those three games and all of a sudden you're at, you're at 4,300, like, he could have gone for 4,000. Like, 4,300 passing yards in 1989 would have been insane. Right. And that's another criteria, too. Every quarterback on this list was a league MVP. And that's one of the, another one of the reasons why Breeze, his 11 season, didn't make it. He wasn't league MVP that year. But, like – the funny part was, and I know we talk about like the, the screw you ratio with like Rogers in 2020. The funny thing with young and Montana, since we're kind of discussing it, I mean, in 88 young was pretty close to, to supplanting Montana. Cause Montana had a shaky 88 season. He was kind of struggling with his health. Uh, they had a devastating playoff loss to the Vikings and 13 and two uh, or in 87 when they were 13 and two in the regular season and Montana played shaky in that game. He was replaced by young. So young and Montana are kind of splitting games in 88 and Mon and Mon young was kind of outplaying montana at a point they have a 20 i think a 22 nothing lead against the cardinals late in the 88 season the cardinals come all the way back and beat them and young to this day says that's the reason why i wasn't the starter in 88 on and i had to wait until like 91 uh because after that game they and then they lost to the raiders they were six and five and then they had an in-house meeting and they were like they after the meeting they went to walsh and said you got to pick a guy like we're done with this and for whatever reason, he went with Montana. Then they won the Super Bowl that year. And then Montana comes back in 89. And then Walsh retires. Seifert comes in, who's a defensive coach. I think a lot of people assume that maybe the Niners, maybe the win against Cincinnati was kind of it. They're the, the you know, and, and, then, and then they have the 89 season. And then it's like, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe not. And and then as you can see against the Vikings, you know, they made it a point from when they play the Vikings every every game forward that they were going to kind of blow them out and then the rams who were very good that season uh with with a couple you know kevin green was on on that defense hall of famer they beat him and then that super bowl was to from that point that you know five touchdown passes 22 of 29 297 that's still the largest margin for victory in super bowl history so that's right yeah, yeah. that season really has everything except for you know, maybe gaudier regular season numbers yeah just miss yeah, exactly but he's still the mvp i mean yeah it's a, it's a it's a fantastic season number four uh this is up there for me kurt warner in 1999 um you have so much going on here one you have mvp super bowl mvp um Led the league in passing touchdowns with 41. Led the league in completion percentage at 65.1. Led the league in yards per attempt, 8.7. Somehow didn't lead the league in passing yards, quote-unquote, just 43-53. Still a huge number. Um, and and then there's the whole, he wasn't even supposed to play, but, but you know, Trent Green got hurt and Warner had to step in. And you're thinking, this guy is the freaking backup. You know, the greatest show on turf is just, you know, it's it's dead before it starts. And Warner all of a sudden is just you know, uh, like basically building what would be you know, a Hall of Fame career. Exactly. And when you look at the legacy factor, they just made a movie about this. Season. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like exactly. literally a movie, a Hollywood script. Right. So you, you think this season might be a little high though. You think that. No, 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 no. I think this is an incredible season. Okay. Yeah. Cause I the, the differences with this season, I think is that when you take it and place it inside this top, let's say top seven, because Right. Well, as we'll get to, like all the 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 top seven are eight, nine, and ten are still active. Right. Actually, I guess number three. Okay. There's one more guy who's still active, but we're gonna give him a pass because he's Tom Brady. Spoiler. Right. Right. Um, like all these, you know, we're basically looking at these historical seasons, older seasons, and like, I mean, Warner is the one guy who doesn't fit in the pantheon of names that are involved here. Right. In other words, I, like relative to his entire career, this season is probably the biggest aberration. Right. Versus like Favre or you know Manning or you know Montana, but like this season was a monster season coming out of nowhere as the backup, a former grocery bagger 
who won a Super Bowl for the Rams. I mean, and, and like in a, in a great Super Bowl too, with that you know the, the Kevin Dyson one yard short thing. I think the, I mean, I have to. Kevin Dyson was Kevin Dyson, right? I think I think the craziest like season or the most unexpected Super Bowl championship season by a quarterback before this one was Plunkett in '80. But even then, you know, Plunkett had won the Heisman. You had heard of him. He kind of burned out with the with the Patriots. So like it was still, and the Raiders had just won a Super Bowl four years prior. So it wasn't like a total like it was still a very surprising season. But like nothing like Warner. And again, I think this is. I think now when it, you know, if you're a 20 year old and you're watching this this show, you see Warner, you know he's in the Hall of Fame. You see him on NFL Network. You're like, oh, all right, Kurt Warner. Like, what's what's the surprise? All right, so if you were our age in '99 and you see this guy named Kurt Warner throwing, you know, he was the first quarterback to start his career with three touchdown passes in his first three starts. You're just like, what's going on here? I think that there's that famous SI article with with him throwing and it's like who is this guy he just took the league by storm the rams took the league by storm you know they were what a four and 12 team the year before that and like i mean they were the dreads of the league and and they were able to do that uh you know and largely like marshall falk also came there that year too so it was just like a, a total shift in one year from a quarterback nobody knew about a team nobody cared about and then all of a sudden they're the greatest they're the greatest show on turf right that wasn't intentional but we'll roll with it but it just everything about that season was kind of magical. And then you go into the playoffs and he had what 400 yards, roughly five touchdowns against the Vikings. And, and I still remember watching that game when yeah, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, uh, and Jeff George was the quarterback in that game, which was odd. Yep. That Jeff George was the quarterback, but, and then he has the game winning touchdown pass in the NFC title game. And then that super bowl with the, the throw to Bruce. I mean, this season has everything. I mean, this and season- look, that Tampa team in 2000 was a really good Tampa team. Yes. Like well, 11 to six was the final score with that, you know, the Rams versus the Bucks in that NFC championship game. Like that, that Tampa team was awesome. Could have easily have won the Super Bowl. That Titans team was fantastic. Right. We yeah, won and, and I, yeah. of, of winning the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, it's like, right. and, and, and yeah, I mean, like they went through a, a, a really difficult run in the playoffs. And again, he came out of nowhere. He was when Trent, Trent Green signed a, Big, it was a four-year, eighteen million dollar contract with like five million dollar signing bonus. It was Trent Green was supposed to be the guy who was going to run, you know, this Dick Vermeil offense. This, you know, uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Who's that? The freaking offensive coordinator. I'm an idiot. Mike Martz. Mike Martz. Yeah, geez. I was. I, all I could have was all I have is morning wake in my head. I couldn't get it out. Um, yeah, like you know, he was going to run this Mike Martz offense. They were going to dominate, and he got hurt. It was like, well, that's it. It's over, and then Warner ran it and ran it even better. And yeah, so I have no problem with that. With the with did the you see the movie? I have not seen the movie. I think there was a point in the movie where I looked. At I was my expecting wife. it to be a little heavy-handed. Yeah, I think there's a point in the movie where I think it could have been the top all-time classic. And in my opinion, the momentum at the end kind of sputtered out. Mm. And I thought, I thought the best moment of the the best part of the movie is when he's in the arena league. Oh, cool. I think that's, yeah. I think that's the best part, um, and I think after that it kind of goes downhill. I think the guy that plays Martz is a little too rough. Uh-huh. I don't think he was portrayed that well, and the guy that played Marshall Falk looked like he. Uh, let's just say they weren't very kind in the casting with Marshall Falk from oh. a physical appearance. Jeez, what so is it, like a... he kind of looked more like a Jerome Bettis and not Marshall Ooh, Falk. That's not very cool. Um, number three, we get a little controversy here, I suppose. Maybe number three. Tom Brady at no at 2007 season, one of the all-time great NFL seasons. Of course, I would guess that Tom Brady and the 2007 Patriots would check in at number one if they had beaten the Giants. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. Perfect season, and Tom Brady throws for. 4,806 passing yards, 50 touchdowns, and eight interceptions, 8.3 yards per attempt. He led the league in completion percentage, passing yards, passing touchdowns, yards per pass attempt, yards per game, quarterback rate, QBR, net yards per attempt, uh, adjusted net yards per attempt, fourth quarter comebacks, game-winning drives, and approximate value. He was, I would have to think the unanimous MVP. I can't remember the voting in 2007, but I'd be shocked if it was anybody else, unless there was somebody with like some butt hurt uh, media member who's like, I can't believe they ran up the score so much. That yeah, was like, yeah, that yeah. Was like a big Spygate, all that. Spygate, all that. 16 and 0 in the regular season. I mean, I think the only complaint I would have is that, like, are we sure this shouldn't be higher? 
Well, it's funny now when we look at Warner. So Warner has the best season of a winning Super Bowl winning quarterback. So the yeah. top three guys did not win one. So, yep. yes, to your point, if Brady wins, you know, they're bumped back up. Um, you know, I would say if there's a knock or I mean, obviously, the reason why they didn't win the Super Bowl and the, and the way they lost is that Brady, his ineffectiveness in that game was a was a big reason why they lost. And a lot of it wasn't on him. But it, it be, and I think it was more it was known at that point, but we hadn't seen it on the, on the biggest stage where if you rush Brady, you can beat him. I mean, you know, and that was the first time we'd seen it in a Super Bowl where Brady's biggest weakness was exploited at the absolute worst time. Once again, it wasn't all him. <laughs> I mean, there's the David Tyree catch for, for crying out loud. But right. uh, and, I, and I am going to say it. You know, I, I do think that the specter of this, I mean. When you think about the 07 Patriots, I think you kind of think of like three things. You think of the loss in, in the championship after an undefeated regular season. You think about the season that Brady and Moss had, and you think about Spygate. And I think in general, when you look at the Patriots dynasty years later, like you can't ignore, in my opinion, the the Spygate. You can't. And you can't ignore, even though the Flategate was, in my opinion, kind of stupid, like you can't ignore that it was at least in the air and it was something that was discussed and it no, was controversy. Right. So to me, you know, it still would be number one. But I think it's appropriate where it is because there were some, you know, gray marks associated with that season with Spikey and the loss to the Giants. Yeah, look, I'm telling you, and you go back and look at these scores now, and it's kind of, it's really stupid. It was like 38-14 the first two games, 38-7, 34-13. Like they weren't, it, maybe it picked up when they went 48-27 against Dallas or 49-28 against Miami or 52-7 against Washington. But like people were, I mean, so I was in, I wasn't in college. Anyway. I was, I remember watching this, you know, watching this whole season and, you know, like PTI at the time was like, oh, like, oh, you know, everybody, all the debate shows were like in the, the every article is like, oh, are the Patriots running it up? Like, should they, you know, is this unsportsmanlike conduct? It was, it was kind of, it's kind of ridiculous in hindsight, but um, man, I mean, like this was an all timer season. I think what's interesting, you know, you know, you mentioned the playoffs, like he, Lit up, they lit up the, they beat the Jaguars pretty good. He had a very completed 93% of his passes, three touchdowns, right. no picks. I mean, crazy. Um, struggled against the Chargers, and right. that was the game where Phillip Rivers had the torn ACL and played with like a torn ACL in the NFC in the AFC championship game in Foxborough. And that's really the only reason that the Chargers didn't keep it closer. The Pat the Pats only scored 21 points. And if Rivers is healthy, who knows what happens there? Um, and, and then of course they lose to the Giants. So yeah, if we're if we're if we're at, if we're boosting people for postseason success, then you can certainly uh, move Brady down the list. Number two, I mean, look, the Tom Brady stands aren't going to like it, but you know it is what it is. 2013, Peyton Manning. It's crazy because Manning won MVP four times before ever going to the Denver Broncos. Right. And he missed all, I mean, this is like the peak, this is my peak, like, like, I mean, like my early years with CBS, right? I mean, this is like, you know, I, I remember distinctly many, many, many things about all of these seasons. Like 2012, he led the league in completion percentage. It was actually number two in the MVP race, but there were definitely moments in 2012 where you're like, okay, Manning's back, but a little bit shaky, you know, has a big, has a huge season, 4,659 passing yards, but it's like, all right, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's just going to be a, you know, uh, uh, like a just an older version of who he was in Indianapolis. You know, but, but, but certainly, you know, we're not going to get back to those you know two thousand four number style seasons. And then two thousand thirteen happened, and he threw for fifty four hundred seventy seven yards, fifty five touchdowns. Obviously, both led the league. Completed sixty eight point three percent of his passes, and didn't lead the league there, and uh, was clearly the MVP of that season. I mean, they, you know. They didn't win the Super Bowl because Seattle absolutely curb stomped them. Right. <laughs> and I mean, this is a 48 to three. Like it wasn't, it wasn't right. Worse. Or 43 to eight, excuse me. Um, but like this was an all time season. At one point, Diardo, I think the Broncos were 28 point favorites against the Jaguars in week six. That's just how badly they were shredding everybody in their path. Yeah. Yeah, and, and oh, like, the week before we had that crazy Romo Manning game, fifty-one forty. Right. God, it was a great game. Right, and that was when Manning had the last rushing touchdown of his career. That's right. When he faked everybody else out. But yeah, and it's that season started with him having seven touchdowns against Baltimore with Ed Reed and, and Ray Lewis over there, and had nine games with at least four touchdowns. 
One thing oddly about Baltimore, the defending Super Bowl champion had to go to Denver to play because the Orioles would not move their baseball game. Is that why I think you need to take the senior historian tag back, Will? Because I didn't hey, know that. So I just hold. You got a few now. You got a few bags. You got a few tricks up your sleeve. That was a huge. That was a huge deal back then. Like the okay. Orioles owner, uh, whatever his name, he's a, he's a, like a cheapskate, but he just gotcha. would not move the Orioles game. Okay, well that explains it now. Because yeah, that that's interesting. But I I think the coolest one of the the cool parts about this season was what he did in the AFC Championship game: four hundred yards, two touchdowns against the Patriots. And you know, obviously, people talk a lot about. You know, I think his overall win-loss record against Brady and specifically Brady and the Patriots was was a losing record, but he was three and one against them in AFC championships. So I mean that's yeah. to me, I don't think that's talked about enough in Manning's legacy. And this this game actually was was a route, and then you know, uh the Patriots scored a couple of late, you know, scores to make it look more reasonable. But so all three of his Super Bowl, well, he went to four Super Bowls, two with Denver, right. two with Indy. Oh nine was the only one that didn't go through oh, okay. didn't a, go Brady, through a Brady team. Right. So oh six they they win in that crazy that game. That is a good that is a good stat. Like yeah, it's he a great stat. so much for not being being able to take care of the Patriots, but he beat it three and one at AFC Championship games ain't bad. Right. And even even the Super Bowl loss of Seattle, like I kind of was like, man, is this really a two and a guy like you said, he got I like the terminology used. Was it some kind of stomped in that game? Curb but, stomped. Yeah, yeah got, there we go. <laughs> That's very accurate. They got curb stomped in that game. And it was I was kind of like how much I know he had the high snap for the safety on the first play that kind of set the tone. But part of me is like when a team gets blown out that bad, it's like how much of that's actually his fault. I just, no, no, that was all. It was just Seattle was like playing like one of the five greatest defenses in the history of football. Right. And I thought it was, a you know, when a team's dominating like that, it was like kind of similar when Tampa blew out uh, uh, the Chiefs a few years ago. I kind of sit back and marvel. I enjoy the the brilliance. I enjoy the dominance. So at some point when, it, when a Super Bowl, you, you realize it's not competitive anymore, I think it's important to sit back and just enjoy what you're watching from the other side. Because, very you know, and like you said, I mean, the way Seattle played that night, no, no, I, I don't even know if a, if a vintage Manning game could have been able to salvage that one. But. Well, I remember, the, so like thinking back on it, I, I was there in New York for it, and, you know, they were up 15 nothing early in the second quarter. But, it like, they had the safety, and then they had two field goals. And then they scored a touchdown with Marshawn. And so it was 15 nothing, but it was, it was like completely dominant by Seattle, but it wasn't out of hand at all. Right. And then Manning throws a 69-yard pick six to Malcolm Smith. Right. And then coming out of halftime, Percy Harvin houses the kickoff. And so, like, if Manning goes down and they score a touchdown, it's like 15-7 to or even 15-8, to like if they go for two, whatever. It's a whole different ball game. It, like – like in the blink of an eye, it's 21, 29, nothing. And the game is over, you know, against a really good defense. So that's, right. and, yeah. And, and you, you talk about that. The first Super Bowl Manning lost. What was the gate? What was the play that clinched? It was his pick six to Tracy Porter. That's right. Yeah. It's just like, man. So it's like, I, I find the Brady uh, Manning. Manning is a lot closer to Tom Brady than people give him credit for, but Brady yes. has seven Super Bowls. So it's just a, not a, you can't have the discussion. Yes. Yeah. And it's like Breeze is probably closer to those guys than he gets credit for too. But you know you can't. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you there for sure. Um, another Super Bowl loser who never won a Super Bowl. Tough scene for Dan Marino, but the number one all-time quarterback season on your list, widely regarded as, especially if you adjust for era. His second season in the NFL, 1984. I was three years old. He threw for 5,084 yards and 48 touchdowns, nine yards per attempt in 1984, won the MVP, led the league in passing yards, passing touchdowns and yards per attempt, obviously, and got to the Super Bowl and lost and then never went back, which is, unfortunately, for Marino, who's one of the most talented passers, maybe the most talented passer of all time, that's just how his legacy is going to like, that's just how he's remembered. Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, I, like, he's a, like, he's a, everyone knows the hall of famer. Everyone knows he's had incredible seasons, but the reality is when you think about Dan Marino, you think about the fact that he went to a super bowl in the second season, one MVP and everyone was sure he would be back and win a couple. Right. And then he never did. And that's, it's always like, it's always in the back of my mind when I think about like Mahomes or even Aaron Rodgers, you know, Drew Brees, you know, like you just, you, you assume Tom Brady has spoiled us into believing that all quarterbacks 
Like all great quarterbacks are going to win a bunch of Super Bowls, and that's just not how it happens. I mean, Peyton's second one came, you know, he's a figurehead on that 2015 Broncos team. I think that's perplexing to Steeler fans about Ben that he won two so early in his career, and then the last 13 years they didn't win anymore. Yeah. And it's and when actually he was probably a better quarterback the second half of his career when he didn't win championships. So that and that just shows you kind of the randomness of it. But I think the thing that kind of I, I think it's it's fitting with Marino and Manning, you know, they're next to each other on this list. And I think maybe the, the one thing you can say about both is maybe why they didn't have more success in terms of championships is they were both kind of their worst enemy where they you kind of lived and died by the sword. The sword in this case was their arm. Um, you always knew, and Belichick said, you know, and, and when I've read about it, Belichick always knew late in games, Manning couldn't help himself, except for the 06 game in the, in the AFC Championship game when Manning buckled down and they ran the ball. But largely, like, you know, the Dolphins were going to win championships or lose them based on Marino throwing. And the same thing with pretty much every team that Manning was on. You know, Brady won his championships, as we all know, because, uh, and, and that's another interesting part when you talk, you know, Manning and, and, uh, and uh, Brady is that, you know, Manning always tried to get the big contracts to maybe set the standard for quarterbacks after him. And Brady always took team-friendly deals. So sure. at the end of the day, their legacies are different. You know, one is is Manning and the money, and one is, is Brady and what he did with championships. But, you know, Marino is number one largely because this season kind of set the new template of what does an elite quarterback passing season look like. I mean, the 48 touchdowns, uh, that stood for like 20 years. Uh, the 4,800 or the 5,084 stood until 2011. So these records yeah. stood for 20 and 27 years. So, you know, just, just that alone, you know, makes it incredibly notable. Uh, and then when you look at what he actually did in that season, he had, you know, at least four touchdown passes in six games. Um, you know, he had, he started the year against Washington who had been in the last two Super Bowls with a five touchdown game against the Steelers who famously snubbed him, which is one of the reasons why they drafted Pickett this year. I don't care what anybody tells you. That's one of the reasons why they drafted Pickett. You know, he throws for, for 400 yards, and that that actually is still the highest-scoring AFC championship game ever. At 30-odd years, almost 40 years later, that still wow. is. He beats the Steelers. Yeah, 45-28, oh, yeah. 73 points. Is, is A total F you to Pittsburgh. Like, how oh, dare big you? FU. Oh, yeah, and they've never let it down. They've never really let that down. So, And I don't think Pickett's going to be Marino, with all due respect to him. So, no. Um, <laughs> no, Kenny Pickett is – yeah, all due respect to Kenny Pickett. He's right, and, and, and we talk more about – um you know, uh, uh, running backs early, Ricky Waters with 66 catches in 94. Tony Nathan, a running back that year at 61 reception. So, uh, you know, Marino just, you know, he played the game. And Don Shula, you know, I, and I think this is more of a credit to Shula as a coach. You know, he won his back-to-back in the 70s with a running offense, with Breeze, Greasy never throwing. He gets back to Super Bowl, you know, a dozen years later with a quarterback that's throwing the ball a lot. So, um, you know, can I think that says something to them. Marino was able to get a running coach to throw the ball. Uh, a shame that he didn't end this with a championship, but he just so happened to run into Joe Montana and a, a Niners team. I think the 84 Niners is, is on the Mount Rushmore of NFL teams. So I, unfortunately he ran into that, that buzzsaw. He still threw for 318 yards in that game, which was tied for second ever at that point. But that's this season has everything except for a ring. And, and you yeah. know, that's why it's number one. I know it's that it's 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 fascinating that the three top seasons ended in just brutal fashion. Not brutal. Right. I mean, thirty-eight sixteen is a bloodbath. If you're if you're you're thinking we got we're dan- we just beat the Steelers forty-five twenty-eight in the AFC Championship game, like we're gonna hang with whoever we play in the Super Bowl, and the Niners just stomped them. Same thing with like you know, t- like the two thousand thirteen Super Bowl. I remember you know Prisco. I remember sitting with Pete and talking about it. And it's like. I talked to myself in the, uh, the Seahawks. Then he started talking about the, the the Broncos and how, like you know, he's like, oh, you know, this is what Peyton's going to do, blah, blah blah. And I talked myself into picking the Broncos. It was a, it was basically a pick 'em. Um, you know, nobody knew. It's supposed to be, you know, these are supposed to be close games, right? Like, was the was the eighty four? Trying to think, with I don't know offhand what the eighty four Super Bowl spread was, but I can look really quick. The uh, Niners were favored, but I but by favored by three, right? So right. like, right, fifty three and a half total. In the 1984, and it went over. I mean, the, the big, the big storyline, the big narrative going into that game was was that all the focus was on the on the Dolphins' offense and Bill Walsh, which I think, you know, he doesn't get a lot enough credit. He's all X's and O's, but he was a great motivator. And he laid in the locker room before the game, and he just sat back and goes, "Man, the Niner or the Dolphins' offense is so good. How are we going to stop them? Dan Marino's so proficient. How are we going to?" How are we going to even you know get a third down stop? And he was doing it to rile them up. And he actually, right, pardon my language, he 
He just got up for a second and said to the guys, boy, don't you just want to tear the wall down and kick their ass right now? Oh, God. I mean, Walsh was just a monster. Say ass all you want on here. There we go. But it fired Montana up, and Montana played great in that game. And, yeah, I mean, they, the Dolphins actually had the, an early lead, and then the Niners kind of kind of put their foot down. And But, yeah, I mean, Marino played an era where the NFC won. I mean, actually, think about this. Never really thought about this. Marino's rookie year for the next 13 years, the Super Bowl champion was on the NFC side. Wow. So and and same thing with Elway. So so two AFC great and 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 uh, and uh, Kelly who also came in the league yep. in eighty you know class of eighty three. NFC They're was just hard, just tough and hardened. Right. So it, it's it's almost like if you played the NBA in the nineties. I mean, you weren't getting a ring because you know you had you had Michael Jordan. The, the on a list of loser people who lost to Michael Jordan. Exactly. Right. Right. So you know is is Marino? I guess is Charles Barkley. You know the greatest. Uh, That's you know, probably correct. Yeah. Player didn't get a ring. That's a good call. All right, you asked me what my favorite season was. Yes. Um, man, I don't. I mean, it's it's a really tough question. I mean, if I'm picking from this list, I'm probably going. Um, two thousand. I mean, I'm probably going 2013 Manning, just because like I remember it so distinctly, and it was very early in in like my career at CBS, and mm -hmm. so you know, it's like you're covering. You know, not like we're not like we're not still covering every game, but it's you know like there's something to be said for you know the the newness of doing this job like sure you know yeah. you're two years into like holy crap like i'm <laughs> is this why why yeah. are you letting me do this <laughs> you know like like if you fooled right. you feel like not like you fooled it's just but it just you know it, it, i it, i just it's a very happy like it's a very happy part not like i'm it, it, it's surreal, a real almost because yeah, it's a very it, surreal it's, period. One, it's one of the first significant things that's happening to you on the job. And you're gonna yeah. look back and say, you know, when I first came in, that was the Manning MVP season where he threw for all these yards. So you probably realize at that moment that like you're watching something in real time and you're gonna be writing about something in real time that you're probably always going to remember as part of your career when you started at CBS. Yeah, and like also too, you know, 2000 so the 2013 season. Make sure I got that. I'm 90% sure I'm right. Yeah, I mean, this is 100% right. Like, the playoffs that year, the wild card, like, that's when Rivers, um, like, that's the weekend my son was born. It was a wild card weekend, you know? So, it's mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, like, uh, um, you know, like the uh, Rivers beat the beat Dalton and the Bengals. I remember sitting in, you know, the, the whole season was just very, you know, like, very, right. you know. You know, and then the New York Super Bowl, which was, you know, the, the Super Bowl was a letdown, but it was, like, an awesome lead up to it. Um, so, right. there's, yeah, there's just a lot of, like, and, and and it was just an incredible season for Manning, right? I mean, right. like his, you know, he came back from the neck surgery. He's on a new team. You know, he's got all, you know, he's got his guy. It's just, it was a, it was just a, it was a fun, it, I just remember it fondly. And so, and it's like, you know, fairly new. Um, right. So I guess, I guess that would be my favorite of this list. I think it's appropriately placed. Yeah. My, my season's not on the list. What's it's yours? Terry Batchel? No, unfortunately, no. Uh, it's one I remember, and it was '97. It was uh, it was Cordell Stewart's first year as starter, and actually, he's the first he's the first uh, 3,010 guy, first guy to throw for 3,000 yards in a season. And no, it was 2010. He's the first quarterback to throw for 20 touchdowns and rush for at least 10. And Cam Newton finally matched him in uh, 2015. Cam's MVP season, he matched him. That's, it was that was going to be the one I brought up next. It was going to be Cam 2015. Okay, yeah, that was a cool season too. But for me as a young fan, I mean, that was probably the second year I really got into football. And, you know, you knew Cordell the first couple of years he was slash. Remember where he caught the ball yeah, and he wasn't much of a quarterback. So, I, and I don't have kids yet, but I feel like watching Cordell that year is probably like when you're watching your kid for the first time play sports, where you're kind of seeing them grow. They have moments of setbacks where you're discouraged, and then there's moments where they they have the aha moment. Like he had two five touchdown performances that season, right. where he ran for three or ran for two and threw for three. Both games they faced these big deficits, so you. It, it was just it was an up and down emotional roller coaster season, and it ended in heartbreak because they lost to Denver in the AFC Championship game, and largely because of his turnovers. Um, so, well, you know. yeah, like ironically, like so the Cam 2015 season. So, I mean, again, the you know, for like four first five years of my career at CBS, uh, you know, it's my team, the Panthers. Like, yeah, you know, I, I was always a big Cam guy. Um, right. You know, I got a lot of. Uh, like I did a lot of like radio, a yes. lot of radio because it was like, all right, who like guy 
even though I don't live anywhere near Charlotte. It's like North Carolina guy, you know, for CBS, come, you know, come, you know, it's like, I, so like it helped to boost my profile. Cam's one of my favorite players of all time. Right. Um, you know, they were undefeated until week 16 when they lose the Falcons somehow. Uh, you know, I, you know, consistently, def- you know, like I was, you know, I was on board the Panthers bandwagon early enough. So I was, you know, people were like, oh, it's the worst 14 and 0 team of all time or whatever it was, you know, like, it, I don't know, like I, and so I remember that, you know, I covered the entire, um, covered the entire playoff run. Like I was down there for the Seattle game and the, and the Cardinal, like the whipping of the Cardinals 49, 15 in the NFC championship game. Uh, I was out there. Seattle the week before. Who yeah. Was, yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, like they, yeah. Right. I mean, a good Seattle team. Right. Um, yeah. And then of course I was in uh, San Francisco for the Super Bowl, which, you know, ironically, you know, it was Peyton man, you know, not, I guess not ironic, but like, yeah, Denver destroyed the Panthers. So it was like, a, also like, just like a lot of these seasons, a very, you know, bitter, you know, close to it. I mean, like, but yeah, I think Vic, I mean, excuse me, the Lamar season from 2019 is probably why you'll never see this cam season, get any love on a sure. list like this, because it was considered his completion sure. percentage that year kind of left him off 59.8. Right. 35 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns, you know, quote unquote, just 636 yard rushing yards. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, is he a hall of famer? Uh, he probably won't get in, but I, I tend to think that he should. Yeah. He's in my category of guys that are hall of fame, talented players. It's like, just he's like, he's so talent. unique in what he's done or what he did. He's, he's just not liked by enough people. I don't think I don't understand him. that. I was going to, I don't understand yeah. that. It's like, like, like Ben's not, Ben's not well liked. Like I actually wonder. like, I thought he might be in that, that golf tournament with some of the quarterbacks recently. Cause Ben loves golf too. And, and right. Ben's not liked by the national, by the large scope. And I understand why I don't understand cam. I know he's had some comments. I know that female reporter, he had that comment. Like I, I know he's had some moments that probably That's almost like more recently. It was like, he wasn't like before. It's just a, it's a, it's, it's a, I mean, it probably it probably stems from the Auburn yep, stuff. One hundred percent. That's what it stems. And from. other factors which we don't have time to get into right now. But yes, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, that's it's just why like people didn't like him from Jump Street, and he's always been sort of like a talented, out of nowhere villain villain type. I think, even though that wasn't his how he wanted to be portrayed, which is right. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, all right, that was good. Now, now I'm like could wax poetic about many more quarterback seasons but i won't we've been I'm going to use while. that word curb stomped in some stories here coming up and i might well, I'll give you some credit so <laughs> you, google, you google cbssports.com and curb stomp you're probably getting 15 of my articles probably more than there that. we go i'm <laughs> looking forward to doing that <laughs> um, all right the awesome stuff as always excellent yep. breakdown of the top 10 quarterback seasons of all time go read it on cbssports.com thanks for taking the time buddy we'll talk soon yep thanks Will. okay picture this It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.